Hello, and welcome to the So Emotional Podcast. Here on the cast, we discuss everything emotions through the lens of attachment, the nervous system, and internal parts work. We're a little irreverent and like to have fun exploring the emotional issues and dynamics that interest us. So come along and hang out. Let's explore the fascinating lands of emotions. Hi, everyone. Welcome again to the So Emotional Podcast. I'm Angela Wetzel with Epic Initiator Coaching. I'm a life and relationship coach. This is also your host, Nick Carl. He's an experienced somatic experiencer. He's quite good at it, I must say. Um, I thought you were flicking me off. I was like, what did I do to deserve that? And, and we're here. I was like, okay, some interesting hostility. Let's talk about that. Um, and we're here to um, remove the stigma and enigma around the emotion journey and to talk about whatever the fuck we want to talk about um, that interests us but that may also serve humanity i think that's and cool moving my mic right okay all right so um for today's topic why did we pick this topic um probably because of a couple things um just working with clients and doing parts work Nick also holding space and doing his somatic experiencing work. Um, coming across younger parts, anywhere from the ages of like two and almost up to 30, maybe mm. 30. And I've found that some of the older parts are a lot harder to convince because they're, they're so intelligent and they already have so much evidence about what life is. And when I say evidence, I'm going to use air quotes, evidence, right. because something that's really, really important to talk about is the self-fulfilling prophecy and what that really means. And also the difference between what we create when we're unconscious and and creating timelines from that unconscious place. And I'll talk a little bit more about timelines in a second. And the difference between when we're um, in alignment with our values, with our true self, with source energy, and we're creating and what timeline we create from that place. And by timeline, I really just mean if you were to have a trigger and then you were to react from that trigger, that would set you off in a certain direction, right? And usually right. our triggers come from uh, protections that we have around things that happened to us in the past that will send us off um, that these triggers are parts of ourselves that are trying to say, hey, look out, similar thing happening again, protect yourself now. Mm -hmm. And so there's like an automatic, very quick response that'll happen, almost like a knee jerk reaction. Often you can find yourself screaming at someone before you even realize you're screaming and being like, oh, I'm doing this thing again. And maybe you don't even have awareness of the trigger. But if you listen to those triggers and protections and you keep following that, where do you end up? And if you ask the question and you really think about it, what you'll notice is that your life becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. And usually you'll feel more stuck, but in some ways you will find yourself in a very predictable situation where nothing changes and it is like that quote, um, really like living a, uh, like a, a life of quiet desperation. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, if we're really in alignment with our truth and our, our own sense of self and our values and what we really find important and our own sense of expansion and who we want to become, that if we're moving in that direction, it's also a challenging direction. But by taking a step and walking through our fear and doing this work, to really understand our emotions as guides, discerning, using our triggers as trailheads. And I don't even know if that's something I came up with, or I feel like I might've borrowed that from like Azria and Ben Becker from their book, Becoming, just because I thought it was good. Um, but that if we're consciously aware and we stay aware of our creative um, power in that process of what we're doing, then that's an entirely different life we're creating as well. And so it's like, you have to ask yourself when I'm making this decision to be conscious or unconscious, like those are both decisions to cultivate awareness and to stay asleep, right? The blue pill, the red pill. 
I think is that the way it goes? Is that the blue pill, the red pill? Yeah. Uncon right? Stay asleep is blue. Um, so you always have a choice and you have to really think about what you're creating from those places. And um, so did I describe the self-fulfilling prophecy yet? I don't think I went into it yet, did I? Mm -hmm. No. Okay, so <laughs> timeline is one thing. The self-fulfilling prophecy is another. And it's because, um, like I said, these adult parts have experience. Like they start to collect evidence of things that are true, right? But what's often not taken into account is that the, the evidence that we're collecting has actually come from a lived experience of unconsciousness, of not being connected or aligned with right. that future, but almost creating, um, creating by default, unconsciously just reacting to life, not consciously creating. And so these parts of ourselves can, you know, even probably until we lay down and, and give up the ghost, as they say, <laughs> die. Um, we can have stories of these things that are happening to us if we fail to take some responsibility over our conscious awareness and don't decide to co-create. And so I view it as um, a self-fulfilling prophecy is telling a story about what you're afraid is going to happen. And what happens is you will then focus on that what you don't want to happen. And then what ends up happening is because all your energy is focused on that protection and that fear, you are now on the frequency of fear and protection. Mm -hmm. And then what you will get is more circumstances that put you in that place. And then your, your conscious mind again will say, look, see, I knew it was gonna happen. Not taking account for the fact that you are actually actively participating in the creation of that, whether you know it or not. And I will compare it to if you view your past as like a fiery car crash and it's like driving your car, but only looking through the rear view mirror where you see the fiery car crash and you hope to avoid all future fiery car crashes by solely focusing on the rear view mirror and your likelihood of ending up in another fiery car crash when you do that is exponential and it is likely. And then you will say, see, I knew it was going to happen. And then it happened again because right. what you needed to do was to focus on what's in front of you, the, the wide space, the unknown, where you haven't been before and where there is no debris and there are no car wrecks yet. And do your best to like stay focused in that area so that you have a chance of creating something new, a new story. And so that was part of, yeah, that's why, <laughs> that's why we wanted to talk about this, of course, because we somehow found ourselves on this topic and so i think i think right off the bat uh, the things that it makes me think is that getting that type of consciousness to be aware to start asking questions about these motivations gets pretty tricky right especially as we kind of get like uh i think that i think that you are like you mentioned it before that working with like younger parts or even experiencing younger parts seem to be a little bit more black and white, which is like, you know, my young parts are just like, it's like a, just like a crying energy, like a crying out. Uh, it has a certain energetic tone an emotional tone that is sort of like known. Right. But getting up into, um, getting up into things like, uh, I don't know, I think about like my own common sense, things I would never do, you know, like these are common sense, which are mm -hmm. things, which are, you know, uh, conclusions that I've come to just be like, I would just never do that. You know, that comes from a little bit older perspective, you know, what do you mean? Like, do you have an example of something like that? Cause I'm trying to like grasp onto what you're saying. Um, Do you mean like maybe putting yourself out there vulnerably to somebody that you had strong feelings about? Like, oh, I would just never do that because that's dumb. Is that yeah. like an example of? Yeah, or I think a little bit like what we approached, like what we talked about, um, like approach when we talk about like, uh, uh, you know, like I went over and tried to talk to some, uh, <laughs> not the right oh, word, but yeah. like a rock star or yeah. something, you know? Yeah. It's like, uh, or 
I think about that, like, uh, you know, like a really famous person or something, you know, just like walk, you know, it's like part of me is just like, no, I would just never do that. You know, it's like, why would I do, why would I ever do that? Why would I put myself in that kind of like vulnerable position, you know? Right. Cause that part has a story of like whatever the story yeah, is. Yeah. Well, and the story was story, story would be just be like, uh, you know, like I don't have anything to offer that person. Like, uh, you know, Oops. they have people coming up to them all the time, you know, they're not going to get anything from me. So it, there isn't any kind of way that like we could have anything meaningful, you know? So I just won't bother. Right. And what's interesting is that part, if you were to follow the voice of that part, mm-hmm. you would never take the risk and then you would never have any new evidence because you just wouldn't do the thing. Right. So this so then is you a, would, yeah, yeah. So this is a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Right. Cause I've already that prophesied. Would, it it yeah, would already, be if, if you had, not. it would be if you one, listen to that voice and don't re, like, don't try to do anything different one or two, if you have another part that gets into the mix and causes something else to happen where it like botches it, if you do it, you know what mm, I'm saying? It's like, right. if you have a part that keeps you from doing it, success it's still a self-fulfilling prophecy because you never get new evidence and you stay safe, okay. right? But yes. then if you do attempt to move in that direction, if you have parts that are afraid of what's going to happen, it's almost like the people that are so afraid of confrontation get so anxious around confrontation that when they do speak to someone, there's already an immediate like heated argument because they're so, it's like, they end up creating it with their energy of fearful expectation. Right. And I imagine if you have that in your being, right, then, you know, so, you know, I tried to talk to this rock star the other day. Um, and mm-hmm. I guess the self I guess the self-fulfilling prophecy works in that case because, you know, I got about two sentences out and then a part comes up and, you know, I kind of locked up. I did lock up and, uh, you know, I was aware that those pieces would be there, you know, but I just wanted to sort of like, I'm just, I'm just poking, I'm just testing, you know, but I imagine that like, if you have that already, you already have that conclusion and you've already ran into enough circumstances in your life to kind of test the hypothesis and know this about you like, no, like that knowing because you've tested it as an adult or all the way throughout your life, um, I think these, these are then the parts that are older because they have all these confirming circumstances of you as mm-hmm. an adult, you know, and it's just like, no, I would never do that. Or I know how this goes. Right. Right. Which then that's to me, that to me is really tricky because, um, it is, well, I, I think about, okay, well, what's the first step in doing something different. Right. And it's like, we're going to, okay, well, like immediately to me, it feels like we're already on a growth edge. If we're going to like do something different, you know? Yeah. You know, because if these things are common in my mind, say I know them about myself, you know, like working against the grain or like seeing something different, you know, because in, in a situation like that, like, I don't believe, I don't believe, and this is part of the equation. Like, I don't believe that I chose that. Right. I believe that it's just a part of like who I am and how everything is like how the universe is structured, you know, um, which I think <laughs> doesn't leave a lot of room for creativity or for different consequence, you know? So it's like, we're going to step out of a world of place that I believe. Well, that, that feels pretty scary, really. Yeah. Right. Well, because then I think we, <clears throat> kind of create a reality of something that feels stable that we are sure of. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that stable ground that we're using as our reality is a shitty reality of things that we actually don't want. But right. it's that because you can get into like down a slippery slope, like really quickly, if you think about, okay, what's real and what do I have to hold on to in this life? Right. And so when it comes to some of these older parts, they're not necessarily impressed 
when they know that time has passed necessarily because you're just another adult as far as they're concerned and just as lost in the sauce as they were at that age more than likely so then it's like what's what's the answer or the way out in that case besides like a mentor which may be helpful if they even had the capacity to trust somebody Mm. to take their hand as they step out of their comfort zone into this like wildly new unfamiliar space but even then like isn't necessarily enough because you can have parts that don't trust other people and then you can say well they're clearly underreacting to whatever I have going on and so I'm not getting the response I need so clearly they don't know what the fuck's going on and I'm still not safe and so in the end like I think we were kind of talking about this a couple podcasts ago just about like how the world and our ability to like count on certain things like being the same or trusting like certain news sources or facts or whatever like that whole illusion or paradigm is like gone like there used to be a perception that like oh you could pick up the paper and just get the truth but when you look at it human beings are always going to filter perspective through their own triggers fears unconsciousness like whatever and so you're always getting like a fractal or a version of what the truth is and unless you're in alignment there's going to be some distortion that exists in what's presented to you and it's like what are you going to use to try to figure out what the truth is and like this is I think one of the biggest things is like how you get there is I think awareness attunement and discernment i would say those are really some of the three like main pillars and i think there's probably other things that come into that but i think awareness of the pain or awareness of things that don't feel good or awareness of the patterns is a, is like the first step in recognizing it's like aware that being aware that you are aware means that you bring consciousness to something that was otherwise unconscious, right? It's like bringing light to the dark. And then from there, if you're able to attune and feel into your own emotional signals, then you're able to taste emotional and energetic energy. Mm -hmm. And from there, if you're able to taste the energy, then you're able to discern, okay, I like this. This feels awful. But then from there, well, actually that's more of the attunement. I like this, this feels awful. I would probably say is like really getting familiar with that and perhaps the discernment. And I don't know, there's probably another piece here, but it's like knowing how to operate through like the holographic or like hall of mirrors that is life. Because what we're talking about is like learning how to not just confront or face the fears, but to walk through them, take action through them to get new evidence. And when you do that, like it can feel like you're dying. So there has to be some sense of discernment over knowing that this feels good. It feels more expansive. I'm also scared to death. Right. And then there's like, I think probably somewhere in there is like trust and surrender that there is something good calling you on the, like through the fear to the other side, Right. I guess is what I would say. So I know that like when I experimented with talking to the, I hate saying rock star, rock person, that, uh, you know, I've been practicing my own um, awareness. Okay. So I've been doing my own, hanging out with my emotions and paying attention to it. So, okay. So I approached the situation with having that built up a little bit. And so, um, so I decided that I wanted to go talk to her and then I begin to get the sensations of what it is and like a tuning into it. And one of the things that I'd noticed right away um, were very familiar emotions that I had kind of like encountered in other spaces. I was like, Oh, okay. 
um, <clears throat> that I recognize inside myself as pretty young energies, right? Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, okay. Like this feeling is as a feeling I'm actually familiar with and that I have moved through a few different times and in different ways, you know, that's why I was curious to go to that threshold because I know that on the other side of that, the fear that is constituted and lives in that system is quite something. It really is a force to, to be reckoned with and to, to realize that like how much, how powerful it actually is is in the system how it's set up currently okay right uh so it's like i think it's an example of being afraid of fear itself right because then i I go through you know my little practice and and other parts came up and so i don't know if it was a disc uh sort of like if i'm unraveling the the knot at all or or learning something different but i i was learning that i could be safe even uh, if I went up and, and embarrassed myself or just like wasn't affable or wasn't cool, mm-hmm. you know, that I was still safe. But it makes me think about um, in those in those deep agreements of how those systems actually get set up, that fear absolutely is part of the equation that happens, right? Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that on long timelines, like maintaining that same relationship to fear with all those um, sort of like unquestioned assumptions, deep assumptions about how life goes. That's what makes, you know, uh, that quote that most men leave lead lives of quiet desperation. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I think that they're the whole, the whole setup to begin with is to buffer yourself away from the fear and the fear i think is like really abject you know so it's like i'm going to live my whole life with all of these subroutines all set up to keep me away from fear right yeah and i think that that i don't think that it can be understated about how much of a price that is to pay because it's like it ends up being and i know you know like i don't know if i could make like a from the hip sort of judgment call about like the amount to, or the extent to fear is running my life really. Uh, But I would say it's to a fairly high extent, you know, because it's like the fulcrum that all of, uh, all of these behaviors are built off of. Right. And it's interesting to think of fear as just, something that doesn't really have consciousness like i mean it has consciousness what i mean is like there's an aspect of like the unknown and fearing it's it's like um fear is really just a frequency or an energy of oh no (laughs) oh no (laughs) like i don't know what's gonna happen like to Mm. me and it's usually like tied to something very existential like death or humiliation or but pretty much always leads to death of some sort like humiliation then I'm exiled then I am alone and then I get eaten maybe in the wild by something or I don't have food and then I die so if you follow all of the like the chain of thoughts it's like then I die so the fear is really in some ways necessary to um keeping us i think like tethered to this reality like we Mm -hmm. i think we need it in a way so that we're not just trying to jump off buildings and be like i can fly because like fear is definitely um and i know like we had already had this discussion about like what fear is was that the last podcast i think it was the last one we did we talked a lot about fear so i don't want to go into that whole thing but it truly is so uh, deeply rooted and compelling that yes, we can definitely construct our entire lives around avoiding. Um, well, part of it makes out the answer. Part of it makes sense to me because I think that our initial relationship with fear 
gets set up when we are very young, when usually fear is an indication like it is a life and death situation, right? Mm -hmm. But at what point do you like, are you like as an adult, like thrust into being an individual, right? Where the, the stakes and the uh, resources change dramatically, right? But the relationship with just that abject fear or like trying to be conscious of what we're actually afraid of, I don't, that's what I think maybe doesn't change, you know? So it's like we're, we establish this like root relationship and then it doesn't mm -hmm. get updated you know what i mean well i think it's because like that comes down to all those parts of our personality that show up during those different times when things got real hmm. like that there was an existential threat to life limb emotional you know something right right so when the nervous system like detects that then there's i don't know if you consider it like a splitting off or dissociation or you know, just an aspect of personality that's created to um, step in to ensure survival at that age. And then it's like having all these different operating systems with these different ages inside of us, aspects of our personality that were formed because of a necessity at that time to survive a um, supposed threat. And then it's like, was that a reality? Like, was the reality of an impending doom actually a reality or was it just something that was that had to be assumed in the moment because it didn't have all the facts and it just didn't know right likely it didn't have all the facts and it just didn't know and it didn't have a certain perspective because from birth until 25 like our brains aren't even fully formed and then within that we have different um how the brain forms developmentally there's just different things that we either have a grasp of or we don't like I forget what the ages are I think it's like before the age of two like children don't understand object permanence and so right. you can play peekaboo with them and in their mind like you're literally gone but to them you are gone right and so that is that reality so then you have to consider that there's all these different levels of consciousness inside of you interacting with life and looking for threats mm -hmm. without having like the bigger picture Right. And so each of those parts, like their relationship with fear is going to be based on their level of consciousness. And what we want to do is help upgrade them and bring them to a current reality, but one that isn't tethered necessarily to personality, but that's tethered to something that is infinite and unchangeable. Right. And that is, means taking lots of risks and right. yeah. I think too about like the uh, the biological imperative of the asymmetry of fear, right? It's like you only get one life, you, you know. It's like if you're put in mortal danger and then you die, it's like. And so part of our brains are wired, yeah. absolutely, to be seeing seeing the danger instead of seeing the opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. And so as we as adults, right begin to sort of like try to chip our way out of like this biological imperative, like all this learned stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so we talk about awareness. What are some of, what are some of the awarenesses, awarenesses, awareness practices? Mm. Like how, how would you, how would you begin to do that? Uh, ask me another way. Okay. <laughs> Well, actually, I wanted to go back to, uh, I feel like I have a good hold on like the self-fulfilling prophecy idea. That seems mm -hmm. pretty clear. Yeah. Um, oh, and I also wanted to mention uh, Trailheads was uh, the guy who wrote the uh, parts book. Oh, um, Dr. Richard Schwartz. Yeah, he uses Trailheads too. He talks about that. Yeah, he does for personalities, but I don't know if he says triggers or Trailheads or if someone else says their Trailheads, yeah. but I know he uses Trailheads as as parts but uh talk, i want to talk more about timelines you, you talked about timelines and following certain impulses mm -hmm. right yeah um so i watched this movie called everything everywhere all at once i don't okay. know like maybe a month ago and it was so good and it has michelle i think her last name is pronounced yo yeah yo. um and basically um her character, uh, 
she's kind of like thrust into this crazy situation where she has to like tap into her own like heroic impulse, but it's like so unlikely for her. And you start to see all of these like different timelines, like who she would have become if she had made different decisions during mm -hmm. these different parts of her life. And then it's mm -hmm. like, all of those decisions have new decisions and new consequences. And then that goes out into infinity and they're all occurring at once. So it's kind of like this quantum physics like model. It almost reminds me a bit of like, um, uh, what's that um, Matthew McConaughey movie? Um, Inter Interstellar. Right. Yeah, Interstellar, where it's like, you see all the dimensions and like everything's right. kind of happening at once. And there's all these like subtle differences. Well, it's kind of like that, but it's like, it's just so very interesting where she um, has the capacity kind of to like create new dimensions and which makes me think of like our capacity as creators to make something new mm. and then go from there kind of, right? right. Um, and so I think in the movie, it's kind of taken to this like extreme place, which is very funny and it's very philosophical and it's very deep. And I, I feel like I want to watch it again. Like it's probably one of the best things I feel like I've seen in a long time. And of mm. course I love stuff that's very like deep and metaphorical and philosophical and, right. you know, just talking about like the universe and all these different things and about like what really matters. Um, but it's, it's like, when you look at that, I think it gives us an opportunity to actually see someone living that life of quiet desperation and then she has the opportunity, she has like that invitation, that initiation, like the hero's journey. And she almost doesn't take it. Right. She like tries to shy away from it, which I think is so human because we're just like, I don't understand it. This is scary. Right. It's unknown. Right. Also, what the fuck is going on, right? But then it's like, it becomes clear that her own existence is threatened. Like if she doesn't step up, she's got nowhere to go anyway. So it's almost out of like um, sheer like necessity that mm -hmm. her, it's like she will either evolve or she will die. This version right. of her will die. So she like steps up and then you just, you see her expansion as this character, but you also start to see um, her tap into these other timelines and use strengths and different things. And it's anyway, I can't say enough good things about the movie. It's so good, but I think, it gives us something to consider about how we want to live our lives. Like, do we want to answer the call and move beyond our fear and step into our own hero avatar, like to become the hero in the journey? Or do we want to like stay at the desk and not rock the boat and we won't experience as much fear, but we're not going to experience much fun, excitement, adventure, anything that probably truly matters to us. Well, I think truly. if you if you don't step up, then that's the price that I was talking about, right? If fear stays where it is, like that 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 right. that, that decision, which is a decision, right? It's to like either step up and start to look around, especially like mm -hmm. now, like you know, I'm 40 years old. Like it's pretty easy for me to to like say like I kind of know what I get now, right? Like I kind of like I know me. I know what the, the thing is, you know, like, it's like, I know, like, I know the song, right. I know the beats. I know how everything's going to go. Right. Yeah. I pretty much know how it's going to go. Um, getting to a precipice of actual change is that, you know, so for me, it's scary. It really is scary. And so like, you know, it's like, I have a very deep relationship with fear about like coming to terms with how powerful it is in my life. Well, it's like, newsflash it's really fucking powerful it's and it's not the old cliche shit like it's never it's never as bad as it is you know and honestly worrying about things and being sort of behind the gun mm -hmm. you know but i i get the deep sense of like uh like i know how this one goes like i know who i am if i just continue down this path like if i don't change i know what i will get which is right. there is a safety there there absolutely is there is a like a known there that but that's like that price i pay of continuing in the same direction doing all the same things and just being the self that i am now right mm -hmm. like that's a decision and it comes it comes with a cost yes i get a lot of like safety out of it great mm -hmm. but is safety really really like what i value in my life part of me does 
sure yeah because you need to like stay in the game with i need to stay in the game right but there's more but there's more right there is more right and 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 beyond our beyond our boundaries and through our fears is where the gold lies right yeah i mean just as you were talking like what you're describing is a known timeline of like Groundhog's Day, like that Bill Murray movie is so great because he ends up waking up and he knows what the day is going to be like over and over Mm -hmm. again. Also like the movie, um, the map of tiny perfect things. It's like similar where they start to go, oh, this is going to happen at this time. This is going to happen at this time. Right. And how we can actually create that perfect like state of perpetuity, Mm -hmm. but we can also like interrupt it. And it's interesting to watch Bill Murray's character in Groundhog's Day because at first he's like, oh, fuck this, this day is happening over and over again. So he just tries to end it at first. He goes into like victimization and he goes down the emotional ladder into fuck this. I'm going to end this shit. This is awful. And then once he realizes he can't die, he actually starts to move into confronting his fears and actually doing things differently, which he actually takes his power back and he moves through his deepest fears to break like the spell of Groundhog's Day into a new life into interrupting that stale timeline of the known and so there's so many movies like um uh, a christmas carol is a great example of a timeline they literally the ghosts of christmas past present and future show ebenezer scrooge what will happen if he's if he continues down this path what will happen if he does this and what will happen if he does this right right he's being shown and it's also, um, there was another movie that I thought of. Oh, um, It's a Wonderful Life is kind of like that too. I mean, actually they do in a lot of movies where they're like, and because this is something that human beings do, we'll go like, oh, if I take this road, like I tend to kind of know what's going to happen here, but what do I, like, I can follow my triggers and responses and reactions kind of like um, Back to the Future is a cool one too, because you see different, Um, you see Marty McFly and he has inherited the opposite of his dad's trigger or his dad's fears is confrontation. Well, when Marty has confrontation come up, like um, when someone says, what's the matter, McFly chicken? He's like, no, I'm not a chicken. And he'll just say yes. And he'll just not even, he'll just fly off and just take the dare, take the whatever to like, try to compensate. Like, I'm not weak. I'm not like my dad, but that's, that's not healed. It's just the opposite. It's an overreaction to his dad's underreaction. Right. But I think it's and a perfect then, example of like uh, conditioning of how that happens. He got into an right. emotional state. Somebody sort of presses his buttons and instead yes. of d- doesn't have the awareness to realize that where that decision is coming from is something very old. Right. And so right. takes him down that timeline becomes a self-fulfilling or not it's just a timeline thing but well no it does become a self-fulfilling prophecy because in the second one when he goes he finds out how he lands into like financial ruin right and he is able to hear what is like the cause of his undoing Mm -hmm. in the future so then he has the awareness like oh it's this thing right and so he's able to interrupt that pattern so it is kind of that story of saying do I want to follow the story of my fears and my triggers? Because that will take me this way towards my ruin or towards that self-fulfilling prophecy because fear is on fear is a certain frequency. And if we live that, then we recreate that. We end mm-hmm. up creating more fears and having more of those situations turn up. And, and then I if we're able, it, sorry, sorry. Go if we're able to interrupt that, then we move forward and create an entirely new timeline, but one that's right. aligned with our true power mm-hmm. and creating in the unknown. But this time it's like a, a conscious co-creation. Right. So I think about, okay, Marty got to go to the future to see that. Okay. We're not, we're not time travel. Well, we are tra- time travelers, but I always think that one of the bellwethers of like, that like piques my interest is a strong emotion. Right. When a strong emotion comes up, usually like and around decisions, that that should that to me now is like a, oh something's happening, right? There's wheels in motion. There's things that are pulling me that really could take some more awareness and so like some more introspection, some more sitting with it. And I'm like you know I'm not 
great at it, but like, you know, my nose now like peaks just a little bit. It's like, Oh, something's happening. Right. (laughs) And, and it's, uh, so I'm being inflected or affected by things by more than what's just happening in front of me. And that's Mm -hmm. like, that's my cue to be like, okay, I need to go through my process of like sitting with this and trying to sitting with it and like honestly just trying to listen and be be affected by what the story actually is you know yeah um so i've i realized when i was younger i used to have a kind of interesting relationship with fear where i would just like jump into things and do crazy shit because i was kind of i think numb and a lot i've just sort of been a daredevil but i've also kind of been sort of numb where i was just able to push myself into things Okay. which was which resulted in good cool things and mm-hmm. bad things both <laughs> um and what i was realizing is um i think i just lost my place i don't remember what i was gonna say you were young you were impulsive you were doing crazy shit <laughs> sounds like a song <laughs> <laughs> oh um so i've started to realize <laughs> that being able to really like fear hold uh, feel the fear and hold the space for it and to uh, become unidentified with it where i'm able to observe it as sensations in my body Mm -hmm. and to say okay this fear is a feeling it's a sensation right it's telling a story is this story true is this a predictor of the future and it's like no but the other thing that i've come to know is that when I felt really excited about a certain expansion or certain step that I'm like, this was really good. This feels exciting. Uh, I've noticed that after that expansion will come like a really big contraction usually Mm. because when I'm stepping into a new timeline, it's like every part of me that is not in vibrational resonance with that higher frequency will then rear up to Mm -hmm. kind of try to, pull me back into safety right which is backlash right because right kind of like a backlash or it's like you have this big expansion and you've moved into a new timeline and then it's like kind of like the venus flytrap that's just like closing and it's like um it can be really easy to get caught back up in the illusion to be like, Oh, see, it it wasn't going to work or it's not what I thought, but really what it's about is the new timeline that you're trying to get on. um, That can sort of feel like a rodeo bull that you're trying to hang on to that Uh like higher frequency for dear life. But it's like your own, um, your own like fears and your own stuff, maybe well maybe the rodeo bull is like the fears and stuff but you're like trying to stay on that higher frequency i don't really know it's not a perfect metaphor but (laughs) it's hard it can be super challenging to stay in that expanded state and to keep keep, like stay open because you're gonna do this and this a lot and you're gonna like expand and contract expand and contract yeah and it's um it's it's you actually learning how to like recalibrate to like feel into the triggers to look into the fears and say is this actually true and then to um get back into alignment again and again and again with your true self but the fear is so very compelling which i think we spoke about a lot it's so very because like it is tied to a certain reality. It's not saying like, oh, don't be afraid of heights. Like you'll be fine. It's like, no, you actually have to consider some of those things. But when it comes to um, following your alignment, like that's something that you have to learn discernment around, like what inspiration feels like and expansion Mm. feels like like Mm -hmm. that's something that we have to learn to tune into and start to trust because um we can have trauma around any emotion period yeah like i've had um many experiences in my life where there was play or fun or a sense of success or triumph and then very serious life or death circumstances happening around those things so 
expansion, play, fun, success, not necessarily safe to my nervous system, but what do I Oof. actually desire? Fun, play, freedom, expansion, success, yeah. you know, I think like most people, but that my fears and my own sense of safety was like, no, don't do that. Don't go that way. Right. And then listening into those fears, like I would have my own um, re knee jerk reactions, responses where I would start on the higher timeline and then dip back down into mm. another. So it's kind of like, we're always surfing like our different timelines, trying to, um, you know, on this journey, like we will always ride different emotional frequencies looking for that like sweet spot. And of course, like we need the contrast to know, yes, like more of this, please, or no, right. fuck that, you know, but we are still on this like human journey. So there's, you know, there's just a lot of layers to it. It reminds me of the time uh, I was out camping out in Western Nebraska, out in this place, uh, forest wildlife place. And there was nobody around. And it was really awesome. I had a new camera. I had a new camera at the time and I really was interested in night photography. I had read a little bit, of, but I was also a little bit locked up because it was like a full fledged, full blown camera. And it was, it was a little bit complicated. I'm a little bit ner of a nerd, but I hadn't pushed through it yet. So I'd had it for like a few weeks or a month or something. So I took it out there and one of the friends we happen to hang out with is a professional photographer, right? So this is like easy, easy for him. And so we were out taking some photos and he was actually composing some nighttime photos. It was really fun. And then I had my camera. So he's like, oh, here, no, here, you do this, put it in manual mode, do this. And then we took a few shots and I got some awesome nighttime shots and we got some awesome star shots and we did a bunch of cool stuff. And that made me so happy. I was so happy. I was elated. We're out having fun at night, taking night photos. Like it's a bunch of guys together. We're like all having a good time. We had a great day, you know, and it was just like, I really felt great. I was so joyous about that. Right. And I like, I got yeah. super happy. Okay. And it's like, you know, one o'clock, whatever, it's time to go to bed. So, and I think maybe this is our first night there, but I get inside the tent, you know, I have my own tent out in the wilderness and I like calm down and try to go to sleep and fuck like I, the, the contraction, here comes the contraction. And my mm -hmm. contraction was I was going to get eaten by mountain lions. <laughs> and so like, I am just like laying there and like I've camped before. It's like, is a cat going to like worm its way through this like canvas bag to get me the meat thing, you know, without screaming, you know, it's like, like, no, like this part of like upper part of my brain is fine. And like, not, not necessarily scared, but my being my nervous system was freaking the fuck out. And I kind of, and I kind of knew that they were connected because it, it, it had, I, I had gone so high and I had felt so joyous. I, it was mm. really pure joy that I had felt that mm. now it was just like this. And it was such a, opposite. it was, it was really, really torturous. It really was like a stark, stark contrast. Like, yeah. You know, and it, it was such like contrast. a deep shaking, you know, you know, I still, I wake up, but even now, even now, just like telling the story, I, part of me is like, like, I don't want to feel joy. Fucking keep it. If that's like the price mm, that I have to pay, you know, if that's right. the price that I have to pay, it's like, no, I'll, I'll just be boring forever. Right. Right. And that's, uh, that's a little rough, you know, it's like, yeah, well, hanging my toes out over the edge. Like if that's like, it's what you described. And I would have to say that like it, it comports with my experience of, of experiencing joy or experiencing, you know, um, an expansion, you know, that's like, well, it's, it's like, price too high. Oof. Well, Here's, here's the interesting thing around that is that that is also somewhat of a self-fulfilling prophecy, but I think it has to do with like perspective. Now, of course, in the natural cycle of things, like there are expansions and contractions, yeah. but I think in this case, what happened is you reached such a high level of resonance that when you kind of went back into maybe more of like your average resonating level of energy, you felt the contrast so starkly. Mm. Yeah, because so, I exist, we'll say, in that lower state 
so often that I just have become sort of numb or used to it. Right. But yeah. what happened was you accessed something different and it mm -hmm. was this sense of pure elation so that mm -hmm. when you, you tapped into this higher frequency. So when you back, you went back into the other one, it was, it illuminated the stark mm -hmm. contrast of okay. your average resonating level of energy. Right. And then that was actually giving you more information. And as a creator, you are powerful. And so that perspective, like perspective follows state. So when you're in the fear that mm. that fear also generates a perspective of victimization, I shouldn't mm -hmm. have been so happy. These were the consequences mm. when in fact the happiness was actually able to help illuminate what your average existence had been like until you reached a higher peak. And that higher peak was showing you what's possible for your instrument. Right. That um, this is where you're meant to be and how you're meant to feel. Uh, Aubrey Marcus had a guy on this week talking about uh, marijuana, you know, and they talked about their experiences of eating too much marijuana and like what that can do to you. Right. And they were talking about, you know, it giving you access to that. So I think about that because uh, it's happened. It absolutely has happened to me and it's happened to some of my friends. It's like, it's usually eating a brownie or something that's too, too strong. Right. And the place that it takes you to, but I, I tend to believe just through all my own experiences and it, and it also aligns with the point that you just made that it's like, there's some sort of contrast. It's not, it's not like that you ate the drug or you ate the brownie and then like it introduced a bunch of sort of negative emotions or negative fears mm, into your it's being. Illuminating it. it is illuminating what is already there. And the amount of use, and it's a lot of times it is very much fear-based, right? Or uncomfortable. What are you uncomfortable about? You know, there is some sort of question. And, and I think that it, it is all fear-based about what is there, right? So, mm. and I like what you said. It's like, you get to experience this of the place. And then it's the perspective of coming back out of that, that gave that extra dimensionality to the place that I already was. Right. So it's not that I like dip down lower. I actually just maybe in this case, just got to more fully experience the place where I actually am, which I, I think that I would agree with that. You know, most of my life has been highly disassociated. Right. And so mm -hmm. I think that like I have clawed back some of my own feeling, but also uh, I think that there's always that like baseline. The baseline doesn't move very fast, very quickly, you know? So like I have some experiences, mm. I have some experiences, then I have the contrast and I have the vision. I'm able to see it from a different perspective, you know? But um, but the baseline and all of the habituations that made me into the person that I am, like it, I think it is tough to just like snap your fingers or have one thing happen and that baseline right. to change, you know? Well, what I think is, is like, kind of what's being illuminated is where it's possible for you to access those higher states, of course, but usually we have a lot of, um, you know, like baggage and, and lower vibrational, I'm going to say garbage. It's not necessarily garbage. It's just like an accumulation of it's energy accumulation, of, yeah. of like memories and traumas and like heavier, denser energies that it's like, we need to let go of these things if we want to rise and stay in that place, right? right, right. So it's kind of like illuminating also what we need to let go of in order to um, be able to stay there more consistently. But I also think of it as, um, you know, if anyone's seen like the recent like Top Gun movies where he was testing like what Mach 10 or whatever, um, have you seen it? No. It's it was really good. Well, anyway, if you think about a human moving through frequency like that quickly that can be a real shock to the system because our bodies yeah. are used to like some form of homeostasis right. but not only that like we can become chemically addicted to the mm -hmm. um the neurohormones that are produced by or like the emotional stuff like we can sort of be addicted to that like neurochemical cocktail that right. is our normal emotional experience right have to consider that like detox can actually look pretty gnarly at first because we our physiology is actually changing as well as our frequency 
And so when you let go of denser things, all organisms, life forms and parasites or whatever that are lower vibrational that you picked up have got to go. And so like the fat cells and the memories and everything attached, like we are entire living energetic organism. And so we have the 3D body that needs to move through into that new state. We're not just going to, you know, it, it, it's me thinking of, um, <laughs> I don't know why I thought of that joke where it's like the kid on the back of the motorcycle and he's like, daddy, is, is it, like his name is whatever. And he's like, daddy, daddy, go faster, go faster. And eventually the dad like speeds up and he's like, daddy, too fast, you know, is that joke? But <laughs> I just think of like, <laughs> Uh, I just think of us trying to hit this, like to go from zero to Mach 10 is so, um, it is a lot of, is to put a lot of pressure, too much pressure on evolute, on the evolution of the human being. And like, just in reading some of the gene keys stuff, like this, this idea that has just really been interesting to my brain is that God is pressure. But I'm thinking if God is pressure, but is also ultimate kindness, compassion, empathy, all of these things, then the ultimate kindness is to apply right pressure mm. and not too much pressure to evolve or have to move in that moment. And so it's mm. like finding the sweet spot of alignment where we on our journey, like do the hard things, but we don't like torture ourselves with trying to like make everything happen at once. Cause it would just be right. too much. Like that would be unkind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I have to like, let go of this entire other paradigm, especially if we were so used to living in victimization, there's so many changes like energetically, physiologically, biochemically that are happening to our organism that we have to consider. Mm. So I just think it can be a lot of change at once. And you right. know, we, the physical realm is slower than light energies and, and those kind of things. I think that, you know, I, f I fall prey to that a little bit, you know, that I can get, I can get the sense of my own boundaries and, uh, you know, the matrices of the own fear that lives in my being, right? And, you know, I can get unlovingly sort of like critical of that or like desirous of something else you know uh which is do you I mean think, like not wanting like feel like why is like critical of being so afraid or wanting to yeah, be anywhere or just, else yeah, in or, that place or, yeah just why am i me why me right yeah because it's yeah. uncomfortable it, it is uncomfortable and i think about i think about the thresholds that if I want something different in my life that I'm going to have to like uh, go through, you know, and just even thinking about it now is like deeply terrifying, you know? Right. And I also think that that can come from perspective of those parts that have still associated um expansion and joy with punishment to some degree, mm. meaning mm -hmm. that it like, to some sense, I feel like there's a relation to like being joyous costs you something. Right. And that might point to a pattern in your childhood or past where you had moments of pleasure, elation, fun, play, and then had a very strong juxtaposition of like, punishment energy or something very bad happening mm -hmm. which I feels I feel like happens to a lot of people and then mm -hmm. we attach the meaning that like joy is not safe or when I do mm -hmm. this it's not worth it right because then this happens and then right. it's important to step outside and say what what is the definition or like the the paradigm that I've created as the universe like what kind of universe, like how have I defined the universe and is it serving me or not serving me in my own like journey of just like happiness and, and evolution, mm -hmm. right? And if, if you are feeling shitty, like something um, I picked up from one of my mentors, um, Leah Lake, and I think she's done some brilliant work with like masculine feminine energy relationships, but something she said that always stuck with me 
and I've learned to overlay that into other areas. She said that any relationship that you're in should feel good 90% of the time. And when I thought about that, I was thinking our relationship with ourselves should feel really good most of the time. Our relationship like with the universe should feel good most of the time. Like we are meant to feel good and feel happy and we're still meant to experience contrast. But something that Esther Hicks talks about a lot or Abraham Hicks is that um, we, we live in a universe of like contrast and that we need the contrast to create, but that the overall vibration of the planet, of the universe is that, and us is of well-being. And so when we're not experiencing a primary state of well-being, then that means that we're focused in another direction, which makes a lot of sense mm. because if everything is energy is on, is on frequencies, then um, if fear being a frequency, which, you know, they mentioned in like the the gene keys but also like dr david hawkins works talks about um that like hurt scale like the emotional resonance there are different uh, levels of emotional resonance that we experience and then those dictate how we feel they dictate our states they dictate the origin of our thoughts and when we accumulate lots of memories and perspectives in these different personalities and parts then we have what Dr. Bruce Schneider from IPEC would call an average resonating level of energy, which is like ba your baseline on the day in to day out, which is you as a conglomeration of all your consciousness. Mm -hmm. And then you're, um, and then also where you go, like when you're in a triggered state. So many of us might find ourselves living in a very narrow existence of meh. And then when shit gets real, we're in hell. Mm -hmm. And, but we're not really able to break through as much into these higher synchronous, very elated places. And it's, um, I think because of our, um, the trauma that we have around approaching and confronting fear and anger, I feel like are two really important, like, um, gateways, or I would even say, um, initiations, Mm -hmm. into like moving into like higher energy or, or different things. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Dig it. Yeah. Um, was there anything else that we didn't cover? I think timelines and self-fulfilling prophecies. I don't know. I mean, that seems like, like sort of a broad topic and yeah, like enough, but also I mean, it's definitely some shit that you on, you know, it's got me. Yeah. Thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess the, the only other thing I was just thinking of was like, that I wanted to underline, I guess, for a second time is just to really consider our evidence that we have and find out where those decisions and those life experiences and even our perspectives like what energy are we looking at those things through and like we need to measure that with like what truth like truth with a capital t is we we need to say is this story that i've bought into is this paradigm is this is the definition of love or this universe is this true because being able to dismantle some of the, the lies within that can really hold the keys to our freedom and our ability to move beyond those things. Mm -hmm. And it can be so very sneaky because when we're conditioned a certain way, it's like, we don't even see, we don't know that we're in water or, you know, if we're in a, like a small fish tank, we're right. like, yeah, this is the way it is. And we can, just have loads of like fish poop that we just yep, seen that turd before. Yep. And that one too. I've named that turd Dolly, you know, and it's like, just going around again. Hey, Dolly. And it's just like, you're still swimming in the same shit, but it isn't until you have that experience of higher consciousness where you're like, holy shit, there's a whole ocean. It doesn't, I don't have to live in this shit filled tiny bowl. Like there's, and there's other levels up, like my next step up could be like a bigger aquarium and now it's clean. And then there's like the ocean, there's like so many possibilities. And so right. when we find ourselves in this place of like, no hope, no possibility, life is shit, then we have to consider that 
the very perspective that is as feeding that narrative is one that is wounded and disconnected from mm -hmm. the higher truth or the higher perspective, much like a parent that goes into the room with the child and the child said, there's a monster under my bed. And, and actually, you know, they have a higher perspective and they look, and of course, you know, unless it's like an episode of like stranger things or something like that, um, there is no monster. Right. And they're, they're looking, but anyway, I feel like that's a whole other topic because that makes me think about attunement and stuff like that. But, um, but basically in, in this scenario, there is no monster. Okay. And the right. child is afraid that there's a monster due to something. Right. And it's literally having the perspective to say, Hey, look, there's no monster here. You're safe. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes with like some of these adult parts is even when they are brought up to present day, it's like other humans aren't necessarily reliable and don't in, instill the same kind of trust and whatever. It mm -hmm. literally has to be a source energy, like capital S self energy, like divine energy. Like that is actually the only constant um, field of like uh, limitless potential and possibility and, and uh, love and compassion and all of those things. So the answer is to go back to that well again and again and again and allow that energy to to illuminate the darkness of these other lower vibrational energies like allow it to touch them and and invite them to rise hmm. so that's what i would say it's an invitation to see things differently and to start taking some risks towards shit that you actually want like cooler shit right different shit different shit right yeah yeah so righteous Great. well thanks for hanging out check us out on our show socials leave a comment say hi ask us questions all that stuff yeah questions comments we'd love reviews um shout outs and um we'll see you next time cool thank you Angela. bye, bye.